Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. With me this morning, I have a member of the Lake Washington Improvement Association. His name is Jim Folden. He's been living on the lake for a while and been a member of the Lake Washington Improvement Association for about 15 years. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Well, Jim, you have been on Lake Washington for how many years? We have been coming to the lake as a summer cabin back starting in 1980 but we didn't build a house on the lake until 2005, and we moved down in 2006 officially. So on Lake Washington is about 1,490 acres and is one of the big boating and recreational lakes in southern Minnesota. And we hear a lot of times about how polluted, green, icky a lot of the lakes are. So the Lake Washington Improvement Association, as well as other associations on different lakes, are formed to basically address those issues. That is correct. In doing some history preparing for today, though, that was not the original issue. Oh, it wasn't. The original issue was there was a dispute going between how high the water level should be. So the Lake Association was formed back in like 1975, and back then the big concern was how can we build a dam to, to raise the water in the lake? It wasn't until the 90s that lake quality started to become more of a problem. Oh, really? So not until the 90s. So was right. the lake quality considered really pretty good? Back I don't know what they were con considering it at, but okay. it doesn't seem that that was the overriding issue when the association was formed. I can remember, we came from Winona where they had a shallow lake, Lake Winona, and they were doing weed harvesting. So imagine our surprise when we came out to Lake Washington, fairly deep lake, good-sized lake, and there they had the same machine out there uh, harvesting weeds. That was uh, in the 90s. For a short period of time, that didn't uh, last very long. So what was the issue then with raising the water level? What happened with that? I mean, why did they feel it was too low or something? If you've been on Lake Washington, you'll see that there are some places that are virtually level with the lake depth, oh. and there are other places that have very steep hills. Yes. The bay I live on, uh, Mud Bay, or also known as Crystal Bay, oddly enough, <laughs> is uh, maybe average depth of uh, 8 to 12 feet. Other bays uh, get much deeper than that, um, up to 50 feet. So, yeah, depending where you lived, you know, you wanted either more or less water depth. So, and even now, probably the number one issue I see that comes across on Facebook or on uh, just questions is why can't we have the water higher? Oh, okay. And now with, of course, the, the three years of droughts, it's been... It's a big, bigger problem. Yeah, it's been lower than it has yeah. been in a while. Whatever happened to that wanting to make a dam somewhere to make it higher, that was not that was considered not an okay thing to do from, was it the DNR? I would suggest that anybody wants to read a history on our uh, website, there is a, um interesting uh, little historical tale on that. But there were parties that would throw stuff into... There was actually a structure there that got blown up by dynamite back in the 30s. Now, where was the structure? At the Shanaska Creek Outlet. Oh, okay. Yep, which, interesting also enough, drains through the Chankaska Winery. They would like the lake to 
always be feeding water to the creek sure. for their, you know, events. I mean, it looks nicer. Yeah, oh, sure. You know, so the dry creek bed does affect them. Um, the DNR has decided that 980.5 is the depth at which this lake can be maintained. And so back in 2015, that was probably one of our, probably our second major project that we did was to have an, what's called an outlet control structure. It's not a dam. A dam holds water back. An outlet control structure allows the water in times of high water to empty faster because obviously high water is causing erosion on the sure. shorelines and such. So you don't really want high water. But on the other hand, you don't want it during too fast either because we do kind of like to have the high water. It does make a lot of things easier. Mm-hmm. But it does get down to a point where it will, uh, as the water level drops, the amount of water released drops. It's a stepped design on the side side of this structure, if you take a look at it. And um, that was completed, like I say, in 2015. Okay, so that's one of the projects. I also know that the Lake Washington Improvement Association now is focusing a lot on water quality. And I know you are on the Water Quality Committee and we have been working with the county, LeSueur County. Let's talk a little bit about the need. Why Why is there a need that we need to actually have such projects? And what sorts of things are happening? Okay, that's that's a big topic. Yes. Um, <laughs> we are very blessed in LeSueur County. Lake Washington is primarily in LeSueur County. There is a small section mm-hmm. in Blue Earth County. But it is primarily uh, LeSueur County Lake. There is a... a over 400 um, year-round houses on the lake right now. There's a substantial tax revenue from those houses, obviously. And we have been given, I think, pretty high priority by the uh, Lesseur County Soil and Water Conservation District. And we've got a very good group of people working for them who are very diligent in finding projects that will reduce the amount of runoff into the lake. There's two sources of sediment and phosphorus and and just runoff. You've got the stuff that comes in from what's called watersheds, and we've got like five or six major watersheds feeding into the lake. So if you can stop the water from draining to the end of the watershed, which of course is Lake Washington, Mm -hmm. if you can stop that upstream someplace, that gives any additional water more time. It slows down the rate at which it can get into the lake. That is the key. And then it gets filtered through the The longer it takes to get to the lake, the better filtered it will be. Sure. So we have worked with an engineering company that has produce some documents. They've got models that they can use and a lot of science that they can use to kind of map these areas, try to see where the flow is, and then figure out the best place to put a pond. At that point, you have to get some buy-in from landowners who don't necessarily live on the lake. Sure. And that is a challenge. Because and it's one of the source of sediment is, is agriculture and also the, the housing themselves around the lake. Exa- yeah, exactly. That, in fact, that's kind of the hidden, the hidden watershed, of course, is everybody's house who lives on the lake. Okay. You know, we can't, there is no single way to approach all of those, but that's any anybody who is allowing uh, fertilizer, phosphorus to run into the into the lake, uh, lawn clippings, uh, leaf 
debris, you know, all that goes into the lake that all will decompose and turn into phosphorus. And that's actually another one of the bigger challenges is how do you get all the homeowners to be on the same you know, on the same page because it doesn't necessarily result in a nice green lawn going down to the lake shore. <laughs> right, right. You know? you know, the phosphorus has been an issue because that not that what causes the algae blooms and all the, the things that you don't want in a lake, the sediment and things to, to kind of flourish? Correct. Sediment, phosphorus binds to sediment, which is one of the ways it gets into the lake. Uh, we also have a lot of phosphorus in the lake already from previous years. And so, this gets into a technical thing called external loading and internal loading. External loading is all the stuff that's washing in. Okay. Internal loading is the stuff that's already there. So it's not cost-effective to work on treatments to the lake itself during a time when you haven't got the sources fixed. Uh-huh. So that is why our past priorities have been in ponds attempting to slow down the rate at which water empties into the lake. We've got a little uh, thermometer, and when it was done, uh, oh, two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, we were at probably a third of our total phosphorus reduction in pounds per year. They had estimated it at uh, 1,294 pounds which is uh, per year. pretty high, correct? Which, which is high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are now probably past the halfway point. Again, we haven't done studies, and that's what... For reducing the, the amount of phosphorus? For reducing the amount of phosphorus, yeah. We're, we're probably halfway there right now. And what happens when you get to that, all the, the, the phosphorus is gone, will, will that, is that helping with the lake quality, or have you been able to measure any of that improvement by reducing the amount of phosphorus? We're working on that. That is the next step. This year we have are paying in a uh, engineering company, a local engineering company, to do a detailed monitoring. It's expensive, but it does a couple of things. It may give us a way to get information into the models that they're using to show what difference it's making. Also, it gets us information on what exactly is happening in the lake every two weeks. Uh, we know generally what happens. We know there's always a fall turnover. We know that you know temperature and oxygen mixes uh, change as you go through the season. But we've got four bays. Lake Washington's a clover leaf, and it's not going to be the same everywhere. So we're doing some in-depth monitoring, and if we do this for a couple of years, hopefully that data will go in the future be useful in one, figuring out how we're doing, and two, what would be the best way to start working on lowering the phosphorus that's in the lake? Because that is, you know, every time a boat goes and stirs up the the uh, sediment on the bottom, you're mixing that phosphorus. It gets exposed to the oxygen uh, in the higher levels, and then it releases phosphorus. There's just different, carp can do that too. I mean, carp just stirring around can can release uh, phosphorus just by stirring up sediment. So, yeah, that, that it's going to be a bigger challenge. We're not sure how we're going to actually get rid of the phosphorus in the lake itself, but... It's, it's, a, it's a work in progress, as you say. It's a work in progress. I probably will not see it necessarily in my lifetime, but... Um, but you got to start somewhere. But you got to start somewhere. I had a listener who sent a text saying, is there farm drain tile emptying into Lake Washington? I can't answer that for sure. 
you don't know for sure. I do not know for sure, no. I know that a number of the projects that we have done, the drain tile goes into them and they are holding it back. In, a, in like a pond or something? In the ponds, yes. Okay. We've got a number of ponds out there. But the problem with drain tile is that that goes back to the 30s and 40s. There was not necessarily any maps to know where to they know are. where there are tiles going into the lake. Okay. Back in, I want to say nine, no, maybe it was two thousand before I got on the board. They did a flyover to try to identify all the inlets where potential tile was coming into the lake. And they did it shoreline by shoreline. And I think back in those days, they had to use a small plane, not a drone. Sure. And so we've got a lot of information about that, but a lot of that has been changed because of new developments on the lake. And uh, we don't have the sewer anymore on the lake like we used to because of the, um, you know, the sanitary sewer project that we did. Did that make a big difference? I don't know what year that happened when they put the sanitary sewers, because I, I heard that in the past, sometimes people just let the sewage go in the lake, for example. Yeah, and even if they didn't let it go in the lake, it got into the lake just because they were they were built too close to the lake. Oh, and sure. I mean, you would have a break in your pipe or, uh, something. Pipe or something, yeah, it would go in. So that was in 2006. Has there been a noted improvement since they installed the sewage city sewage system in the around the lakes? That you can attribute to that? I yeah. have to think that given the amount of people that are now living year-round relative to how much of it was cabins back then, I've got to think that it makes a difference. But again, I don't know how you could prove that for sure. Okay, so there's just no way to get the Yeah, data. because there was no me- uh, monitoring done. And I will say this, that since I've been on the board in 2007, 2008, monitoring has been a bigger priority uh, because without the data, you don't have any way to make any claims. So one of the things that when we're going for grants, one of the things that you really need is data. And one of the reasons why the county and the the Sewer County Soil and Water Conservation District likes to work with us is, one, we have a lot of data on this lake. We have probably more data on our lake than most other lakes in the area. Really? Okay. Um, And then, of course, you know, we have funds to also help do projects. Jim, I know you've been a big part of some of that monitoring in terms of the clarity of the lake. Would you talk a little bit about that process? What does it take? What kind of things do you do to note the quality of the water? The thing I've been doing the longest had to be has to be the Secchi disc Secchi. Uh, reading. It's called the Secchi disc. It's a little white disc tied to a rope. And the rope is marked off in six-inch increments. Although I just got a new one recently, and that has like uh, every inch district. Oh. But that's Kind of crazy because when you're on a wavy day dropping this disc <laughs> down four feet, right. you know, w- with the waves, you can't tell if it's four feet, two inches, or four feet, sure. three inches. So, you know, six inches is probably as close as you're going to be able to guess. But but basically, you drop it down until it disappears from sight, pull it up to you, see it again, take that, no- add, add those two numbers, divide it by two, and uh, that's basically your clarity. We do that on a couple of places. I'd been doing it, my wife and I have been doing it for... Uh, many years on two spots on the lake. There is another board member who's been doing it out in front of his place for many, many, many years. 
have you been able to note any progress through the work you've been doing through all these years? No, it's pretty. It's been pretty constant. Um, okay. Yeah, it's. It, what's really wonderful is in the spring and you go out there for the first time and you can see down 15 feet. That's awesome. I mean, there's yeah. times when, when, you know, it's, it's clear, to, clear, clear to 20 feet. Um, but that's in the spring, the first readings. And it all depends on the temperature and uh, the wind and how fast it, it gets dirty. Right now we're sitting around two feet. Okay. Because I know I just was up, up north at a lake, up north, Big Turtle Lake, and you, you throw your fishing lure down and you can see it go and you can see it all the way you know almost to the bottom so it's very very different there than it is here and I know we're working very hard to clean things up. I know that grants are a big part of getting some big projects and things done around the lake but also there's a Lake Washington Improvement Association which we are I guess you talked about had a different focus at the beginning. Talk about what that is now and what does that involve and is everybody a member or or should they be a member or how does that work? Okay. I'm going to just read our mission statement. Okay. The purpose of the association shall be to create and or maintain a Lake Washington environment to the advantage of association members, lake residents, and users of the lake through advocacy, education, and stewardship. It's not just lake residents that use the lake. Oh, absolutely A not, lot yeah. of people come from, from a lot of places to, to use the lake. A couple of years ago, we added an at-large position for a board member to represent people that don't live on the lake that may have a passion for Lake Washington for whatever reason. Sure. So, so that is an opportunity for anybody that's interested in the lake. You know, let us know you're interested, and if there's an opening for that membership, you know, we'd, we'd like to have, have that filled. It is currently filled. And I know that the folks pay dues. There's some dues that are involved with that, and that money then is used also to help with projects and things like that as well. Correct. But as I said, I think the more important thing, we everybody, it would be great if everybody was a member of the association. Mm-hmm. It would be great if everybody would, you know, be what they would call a lake steward. I know one of the questions that's Karen was going to ask, she did give me a little heads up, had to do with, you know, lake associations around the state generally. There's actually an organization that is made up of just lake associations, and there's over 220 members. They have like a central clearinghouse, and there's a project they have called a Lake Steward Program, where you fill out a form and you basically analyze your shoreline with some questions they give you. And then they're supposed to contact you and let you know whether you're doing a responsible job or what things you could do to improve your shoreline. Is um, this for individuals or just lake associations? It's for individuals. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually filled it out twice now. And they've not contacted me. And I know what their goal is, though, is that, like I just said, there's 220 lakes. And if there's only four people doing this, right. it doesn't you know, really they're not going to hit them all. Um, what they would like to do, this organization, is have people on each lake become a mentor, uh, become a person who then would go around and help people do what they need to do to their shorelines. So that, I think, is where you know the Lake Association membership is really important. It's also important in letting us know what your priorities are, what, what is important to you. Like I said years ago, it was the uh, water of the uh, depth of the depth of the lake. Uh, now, it's quality. Uh, people are concerned about algae. But I also have to point out, we are a eutrophic southern Minnesota lake. 
we will always have algae. So we're not going to be the clear blue sky water like they have up north, no matter what we do. I was out at Glacier Park this last uh, summer, and uh, Glacier National Park, and I asked somebody about that. And, well, these lakes are basically, they're kind of sterile. It's not that great for fishing. You can get some, you know, maybe some lake trout or something, you know, some deep, cold-loving fish. But if you want to have a good fishery, you're going to need some weeds, and you're going to need, you know, a little bit of algae for things to eat on. So, you know, that's the thing that the association has to do. It isn't just clear water. It's also good fishery. Right. What are the fish you can catch there? Just well, wondering. that's been kind of a fun educational component for me is learning that Lake Washington has its own brand, if you will, its own species of uh, walleye that was self Really? Reproducing. A couple of years ago, a DNR rep by the name of Craig Supier had come across some information that seemed to lead to the fact that Lake Washington must be having some natural spawning of walleyes, which has been thought to be kind of unusual. Well, two years now, here we are two years ahead of time, and he now has analyzed the DNA of it. Um, he's got the whole story of how this happened, why we have it. So that's one of our, our fish as well. So it's actually quite it's a decent walleye fishery. Really? I didn't yeah. realize that. Panfish, crappies. Panfish okay. are excellent. Crappies are good. Okay. I, I did not realize we had the walleye, this special... It's a great thing if anybody wants. Uh, I don't know how we can contact, but maybe if you can get hold of Karen. I mean, I could send you a link. Because I think Craig's got a, uh, a YouTube video on it. He's got a speech he made on it recorded. We so. should put that on. The, the Lake Washington Improvement Association has a Facebook site. And, you know, that'd be a great place maybe to put that as well. And that also... Write that down. Write that down. i got to write that down to remind him. Okay, so... Write to remind you. <laughs> Okay, and and I know the Lake Washington Improvement Association has a website as well, as as do others. You know, some of the projects, because I've been involved with the Water Quality Committee, and I'm certainly a newbie and don't know very, that much about it. They've done some things over the years that have made a difference. What are some of the actual things you can do? I know part of that is... Um, making these these holding ponds or things around the area. Can you talk about some of the projects that have actually been done and that have made some difference? And, and, you know, a lot of times people don't see that, so they don't know what's even happening. Right. Okay. Yeah. Our first project was back back in June of 2006. And uh, we the watersheds are named for better or for worse. And the names of either, you know, major landowners or the property mm-hmm. that is, or whoever owns the property. Sure. So, for example, there's an area on the lake. It's owned by a Krennic. And so we, that was our first project. And it was a holding pond. Okay. And it was a drain tile. And the drain tile was then steered into this holding pond. And that was our first project back in 2006. Okay. Very small watershed. It's only a 290-acre watershed. But it was our first one. There was another project that the Lake Association itself didn't really participate so much in, in terms of funding or anything. It was a swap agreement back when Uniman was uh, functioning. You know, if you were going to take some land out of production, production, so to speak, you would find land someplace else and convert it into CPR or whatever those yeah, programs were. Conservation. It's, a, it's basically a trade uh, of land, and so there was an old pond that had been tiled uh, in the, uh, this would be the uh, lake, or the Washington Boulevard uh, watershed. The property had been tiled. In fact, I know people who used to swim in it before it was tiled. Oh. Okay. So I it mean, was that's, clean. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you would get 
was relatively maybe. Yeah, <laughs> we, these were kids that would swim in it oh. and pick off the um, uh, blood suckers when they got out. Sure. But but anyway, it was but it was definitely water. It was not farmland, and they tiled it and it turned it into farmland. Well, Uniman did a swap, uh, involved uh, Ducks Unlimited, involved the local landowner, and they've turned it around. And now it's a huge, huge pond. Sure. Okay. And that was a that that was a big success insofar as what it the amount of water that it's it's cleaning, so to speak, before it gets into a, into the lake. In twenty fifteen we started another one on an area of the Clinton properties and uh, it's over by Camp Patterson. And what did that involve? Excavating a number of acres of land, um, and again, it's drain tiles going into that as well. So, so uh, it creates this pond that basically filters yep, out all the yep, stuff. Yep, and actually, that one we then had to update just uh, two years ago. It it had actually filled up with enough sediment that in five years that it needed to be actually cleaned. So actually we cleaned it, deepened it, made some modifications to it so it'll be easier to clean in the future. Because that's another thing. You can't just leave these ponds and sit. Our first pond from 2006, that one also got cleaned. So maintenance is a... Maintenance is a thing, and we've started to set money aside as an association for maintenance going forward. Uh, But the nice thing about that pond, that last one, is that uh, we were able to get core samples. And you could then measure and see how much phosphorus actually was in the sediment that we pulled out. So there's actually a number to see how much, and it was a huge number. I did not bring that with me, but it was a very good measure of how much good that pond did. And I know the association continues to look at projects, and there's some you could do, but are cost prohibitive compared with the what you're going to get in return. So I, I believe part of it is being a good steward and of the dollars and making sure if you're going to do a project, you do one that's going to make the most difference. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's all very true. And like I say, the, um, the I've got a document here from the Lesur County Soil and Water Conservation District, and there is you know, I don't want to use names, but there's a grade stabilization project, a water storage uh, grant that's in progress. And when I say in progress, that means that we're getting the landowners involved. Sure. Because none of this happens again without landowners. And there's four, five, six. There are 12 projects being worked on in various stages by Lesur Soil and Water Conservation District that all could, any one of them, could come to fruition, but you keep doing, you keep reaching out to all these spots in the hopes that if you can get half of them, you're going to be in good shape. They like working with us because, as I said, Lake Washington has a lot of data. We have access to some money. They have access to grants, but a lot of the grants need a corresponding partner. And again, that's where our money comes in. We can leverage our money. And then if you have those two partners, then maybe you can get some federal money as well. And I will say that uh, LeSueur County has been wonderful to work with on that. Our engineering company has also been wonderful. They're also uh, quite aware of what grants are out there. So, yeah, it's it's a matter of taking our, the little bit of money we can get and put it together with these other other entities. Well, it's great to hear that the the Lake Association is working with the the different partners, but a lot of people don't realize that. All they might see is the algae blooms or something and they say, oh, look at this, what an awful mess this is. But behind the scenes, that's why I wanted to talk about this, how there's things that are being done over the years. And like you said, we might not see it in our lifetime, but it will ultimately make a difference down the line. And that's, I think, important for people to recognize. Right. And I think it's 
it, it's good to know that when they did the, um, you know, we had paid to have this very intensive study done of our lake. And one of the things that came from it was that our lake empties out in three and a half years. What does that mean? That means that there's a turnover in three okay. and a half years. Some lakes, it takes 10 years for all the for it to turn over. And basically, uh, all the water in there is replaced. So it's that's a good thing. To re- that's a good thing. Okay. Because that means that, for example, let's take the uh, goal of uh, algae reduction. Mm-hmm. If we can get our phosphorus down uh, by 3,000 uh, pounds per year, hopefully we can reduce the summer algae blooms by two weeks. Oh. I mean, it's not much. But, but it, it is something measurable. Right. And then if we start working on the phosphorus in the lake, then we can reduce it further. So, again, because of the nature of our lake, it's going to be tough to not have algae blooms. Right. That's but part the, of southern Minnesota. Yeah. But on the other hand, by impro- making the improvements that we can make, we can, we can see a measurable improvement. And I will tell you, two years ago, we couldn't find, there were days we couldn't find a place to swim on the lake. Really? Okay. Yeah, because we don't swim off our shore. We just take the boat out and go find a place where, mm. you know, there's no pea green soup. And uh, there, were, there were probably six days when we wanted to go swimming and, and we couldn't. And, and we don't go swimming every day. So, I mean, who yeah. knows how many days I'm missing. But we've not had that happen yet this year. That's good. I, I'm thinking with this latest heat, though, it might be a, a we'll timing-wise. We'll see we'll how see. that goes. I mean, yeah. I, I personally believe our lake is cleaner. I don't think we had the uh, weeds this year like we uh, normally have. And when I say weeds, that's something you haven't asked, Karen, but invasive species is another thing. Right. And we do have one invasive species, but it's so common. They is don't that the really milfoil one? No. Or which one th- is it? It's considered so common that they don't really consider it anymore. It's called curly-leaf pondweed. Oh, okay. And so when you're sitting on your lake and in June you see all these weeds coming up and matting the surface, that's called curly leaf pondweed because it's an early, um, it's an early growing plant. Sure. And then it dies down and it's gone for the rest of the summer. Any weeds you've got right now are most likely just native Minnesota yeah. weeds that you are going to normally have. But the matting you see in June, that's curly leaf pine. And as of yet, I know there's no zebra mussels, or is it the milfoil that we don't have? There's There's a Eurasian milfoil. We do not have that yet. Okay, well, that's good, and that's why it's so important to people to clean their boats and all that sort of thing. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Jim. The Lake Washington Improvement Association has an annual meeting coming up. Is that just for lakeshore people live on the lakeshore, or is that for anybody who's interested in the health of Lake Washington. That is for paid members of the Lake Association. So, but anybody can be a paid member of the association if they're interested in the Lake Washington and what's happening. That would be correct. Yeah. So you would show up, you'd check in, you'd pay your 2023 dues, and then you would be able to go in and monitor the meetings. And So anybody yeah. listening, if you are a patron, you use Lake Washington and you're interested in the health of the lake, you can be a, a paid member and be a part. And I know at the meetings they vote and look at things that can be done in the future. So how do you find out more information? Is that all on the website if you want to be a member? I would say website or Facebook page. There's a link on the website where you can uh, reach out and ask, and I actually get those questions. So. Okay, so www.lwia, Lake Washington Improvement Association. I wasn't prepared for that. Well, that's question. okay. You can just type it in, Lake Washington Improvement Association, if you're interested. And I know a lot of people use that lake. Jim Folden, who is with the Lake Washington Improvement Association, also Water Quality Committee, has been a member for 15 years or so. We appreciate your time and helping explain what's happening and all about the lake. Uh, thank you. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. 
With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.